Oh, it's delightful. <clears throat> well, it's good to see all of you, too. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and turn to Ephesians. I'd like to go back to the text that we used last week. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 18 through 21. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse... Actually, let's... Uh, We'll start in verse 16. We did that last week as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 through verse 21. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. May God add a special blessing reading of his word. And let's just pause for prayer before we begin our study. Father God, we thank you again for the day. We thank you for the beauty of creation that you've allowed us to be a part of on this day. Father, we really appreciate the fact that you're a God that not only told us you loved us, but that you showed us by literally giving us Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, and God man, the one that fulfilled the sacrificial requirements perfectly. And Father, thank you for proving that it was uh, was satisfactory, that his propitiation, that total satisfaction was good enough by raising him from the dead, that he is alive, seated at the right hand of you. Father, thank you that he is literally our defense attorney today as Satan brings fiery darts to try to to take us down, to minimize all that you've given to us, Father Jesus Christ, wearing the nail scars. He's able to say, it's finished. It's done. We win. Father, may you be praised today. We ask that you'd protect your word as it goes out. Allow us to see you clearly. Thank you for the time we'll have. Quiet our hearts. Take control. May the Holy Spirit be our sole guide and teacher today. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So what did we talk about last week? Excuse me? Our servant. Our servant. Okay. Discerning God's will. And actually, uh, Lynn takes that to a, a great level that ultimately we are to be servants in that, aren't we? So is God's will secret? Is it hard to know? Is it hard to discern? Is it hidden? Does he kind of like a game of hide and seek? You're getting warmer, a little warmer, warmer. Oh, colder, colder movie. Warmer? Is it that how it is? Is it, is it a time that it's hard for us to see it? Well, it really shouldn't be. And then we want to talk about the things we know for sure. Uh, last week, we spoke of ultimately there are things that you have in your lives that uh, what career field should I be in? I th- especially think of young people. 
kids that are graduating from high school, going to college, just thinking about where to go, what to do, and how does this all fit together? Career choices. Is this the home to buy? Is this whatever it might be? And there's, there's literally behind every choice that you make, there's a whole other plethora of further choices. How do we know those things? Well, I think the best place for us to start is go to the scriptures and find out what God's will is stated for us to be because it's not just the career choice, the mate choice, the job choice, the living choice. It's, first of all, getting ourselves in the right relationship, the right position with God's will, and the rest of it takes care of itself. There was, uh, to, re- to, remember, to remind us of last week, it's God's will, first of all, we spent a fair amount of time here, Number one, God's will is for you to get saved. Absolutely. That is his number one. I was going to say priority. You could say priority or the really, this is where you must start. If if you're not saved, you can't possibly know God's will for your life. It's impossible. There's nothing beyond that. First and foremost, you need to be saved. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior great place to start and if again this is the starting point you can't get anywhere else until you're there and then the second one that we uh we dove into we spent quite a bit of time and we're going to go there again today i I just think it's such a climax it's such a watershed for literally how the rest of your life unfolds because it sets everything up and that was the second one for the will of god in your life is Be be filled with the spirit be filled with the spirit i you know last week we we talked a long time about a lot of things and and you know how it is you go home and you kind of go through your notes as you're preparing again and i was like whoa there's a lot of things that we didn't really say and i can confirm that by asking you how are you filled by the spirit exactly what i thought i hadn't really covered that very well so you're you're free you're you're free in jesus to not have to answer right but the other thing we didn't talk about as much and we, we briefly went there but the other thing was how do you know or how would you know someone else is filled with the holy spirit what are the what are the levels of understanding i mean what, what is it that sticks out do they have a is there this meter that's on your arm full of the spirit no, not so much. Yeah, I think, I think we'll be getting into that because there's another very close, uh, another close realm of this. We'll be getting into Galatians, an aspect of which Paul was trying to get the Galatians because they were hung up on legalism, weren't they? They were trying to do things according to the law. They were trying to mix grace and works, grace and law. The, Ju- uh, the Judaizers came in behind Paul and said, oh, no, 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 to be a... Christian, you've also need to be a uh, a Jew. You need to be a, a you have to be a practicing, fulfill all of the legal requirements, and then grace is yours as well. And that that nonsense is exactly what Paul said, and it goes on around the world today. But it was a, a great time for him to say, and, and we're getting into this later. But just to whet your appetite, Galatians chapter five verse sixteen is a real crux of the Galatian letter, and that is walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It, it very closely ties together with the theme that we start to wrap our minds around in the sense of, what is God's will for my life? 
Can I discern it? Can I find it? Is it secret? All of those questions, literally, we're going to, we're going to get at the standpoint, what is Scripture stated? What is the will of God for you? Coming back with being filled with the Spirit, we talked uh, about Peter. Remember him? We, we talked quite a bit about him uh, in different... He, he wanted to be close to Jesus. I'm convinced as, as they were walking down the road and Jesus stopped, Peter would have ran into him. Because he, was, he wanted to be close to him. You found every... It, like the boat, I'll just review it quickly. But remember, here comes this wild storm, and Jesus was alone praying, and the disciples were commercial fishermen on this lake, and the white caps were just, they must have been crazy because the fishermen, commercial fishermen, were scared to death. And here comes someone walking. You know, again, my mind over the years has had to be somewhat, I have to throw this out because you just see Jesus walking on just like this floor. It's a quiet, no, no, no. He would have been walking on the white caps. Up and down and around because that's what the storm was. And Peter sees him. They all see him. and they, It's a ghost. And then Jesus said, Peace be unto you, for it is I. And Peter, what did he say? Well, just come on in the boat. No, 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 no. I want you to see this. He wanted to be with Jesus. And he said, if it's you, it's really you, Jesus. Have me come to you. And I'm like thinking, this is not the second time he's walked on the water. This is not the third time. This is not the fifth. This is the first time. That would be not the way. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the inclination of him wanting to be just wrapped up tight with Jesus? And he did. And he got in trouble when? When he started. Yeah, when he started looking at the horizontal issues. It said when he saw the wind was boisterous. When, when he really understood. And I'm going to say, let's not be too hard on him. What would you do in the, in the climax of the, in the very, very emotional moment? I don't want to. I don't. I mean, the, the, the wind, the boisterousness of the whole situation is, is t- terrifying. And he has the presence. Of, I want Jesus. I want, I want to be close to him right now. That's where I want to be. And he steps out. Of, and you're walking on water. And all of a sudden, realization comes to you. What is, what? And he starts to sink. And Jesus reached out and grabs him. And then they walk back to the boat. Jesus prophet in this. Well, who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ, the Messiah. It came right out of Peter's mouth, which Jesus said, it is not given him young men, but literally from my father who has spoken that through you. The closeness that he had with Jesus was overwhelming in the sense of his testimony. And then you know when he was apart from Jesus, not very far away, maybe 100 feet. Well, first of all, uh, I want to make sure we understand the courage of this man when he was close to Jesus. Not very long after that, at the Garden of Gethsemane, you know the situation. He was about to be betrayed. Here comes this mob. It was thought between 300 and 500 Romans that would have come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus says, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. And, and literally, that, the scripture says they all fell down. This, this mob of 500. I'm going to just use 500. We don't know exactly. Between 300 and 600 is the best guess. But it's a bunch of people. Now, at this point, it's basically the disciples and Jesus in this setting. So 11 plus Jesus, because Judas Iscariot had went out. In fact, he's come back on the other team, if you will. He is watching this develop which led him, I'm sure, to his demise later on. He did not repent. He just regretted what had taken place. But nonetheless, Jesus and 11 are there. Now you have 500 to 600 men. And Peter whips out his sword, and he goes for Malchus's head, I'm convinced, but he got his ear because he ducked. 
But I want you to think about that. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not what we're going to do here tonight. This is God's will, what's taking place right now. And then he picked up the ear and put it back on, which, I mean, Malchus was a happy guy, right? Healed just like that, just boom, just like that. Now that would, wow, what's going on? But I want you to notice that something no one ever talks about in that passage was Peter's courage and his dedication to being a protector of his Savior. That's an amazing, because you have no chance. And yet, his courage in Jesus' presence was magnanimous. And then just like that, it's like it all went out the door. You know what happened in the next several hours. He literally denied Jesus Christ three separate occasions. And the last time, one of the Gospels says, and Jesus looked at him. Now, I don't know what that would have felt like for poor Peter. But it said he went out and wept bitterly. Whew, right? And you think, that's the end of that story. It's over because Jesus was crucified. He's buried. I guess he rose from the dead. But Peter's testimony is shot. And we remember we went to Acts chapter 2. And we saw that Peter... We read that. Remember we read that? We read his whole sermon to those that thought that these were filled with wine early in the morning at Pentecost. And he spoke, and 3,000 men were saved. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Is, is he, and you know what the difference was? That's what we want to talk about. Let's, go to, let's start today now by going to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Because there was a, Jesus was gone, but he has the, the strength, the power that we have. That's what I want to get to. Just the very same thing. The presence of Jesus Christ in Peter's life made him someone that was amazing. And now Jesus is gone and he's taken the same thing. And look at this in Acts chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it was filled and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each one. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it goes on to say, and literally that was the unleashing of the power, the strength that Peter gave that amazing sermon. The very same power that he had in Jesus' presence is the same one we have today. The Holy Spirit lives within us. That is awesome. Isn't that powerful? And Peter, he just, he like turns into this dynamite guy, right? Exactly what the Spirit gives us, the strength that lives within us. And we will not go back there today because this is already reviewed, but... I want you to write down, there's two verses that you really, really need to be careful to, to understand and to make them part. Because if someone asks, how do I get the Holy Spirit? Where does he come from? How do I get him? The two verses that will help you is Romans chapter 8, verse 9, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Both of those verses allude to the fact that if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to you inside your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. They say it from two different angles. Because if you have Jesus, if you've trusted him, then the Holy Spirit has taken up residence. You're never told to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. You're never told to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're never told, there's a third one I'm missing right now. I'll get it in a minute. That's a God business. That's a God work. That's what he does when you accept Christ. He places you into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. 
You have all of him. You don't get him in levels or stages. Oh, I need more of the spirit. No, 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 no. No, you have all of him. What you need is to give him all of you. Therein lies the difference. Now, one thing we are told to do is to be filled with the spirit. What's the difference between, or I should say, being filled with the spirit? Is that a one-time thing? You, I'm filled. I'm good. I got her now. I'm ready to go. Actually, the way it's used in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 is, stay, let's see if I can get this right. It would be like, be being kept filled by the Holy Spirit. So I say that again? Be being kept by the, whole, by the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a passive, aggressive continuation. Don't ever stop being filled. So in other words, if you were filled this morning at 8 o'clock, is that enough for the rest of the day? No, it's not. And would, tomorrow, is that enough for being filled today? No, it's moment by moment by moment by moment. Continue to be filled by the, with the Holy Spirit. Therein lies your strength. All of the strength that he offers to you is afforded that way. I'd like to look at a couple of others. Uh, situation. If, are you in Acts? Did we go there? Let's go to uh, just over a couple of pages to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 and verse 5. Acts chapter 6 and verse 5. Uh, they were looking for, uh, if you will, co-laborers. In fact, let's just start in verse 1 of chapter 6. There as, as daily, in fact, let's just work verse 42 of Acts chapter 5. It'll lay, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. As a result of that, verse 1, chapter 6, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, God's family, God's church is increasing. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. In other words, these, these disciples, these apostles are saying, You know what? That's a need that needs to be taken care of, but we need to keep preaching the word. We need to keep giving the word of God out so that the church continues to flourish and to expand. Verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look you among among you seven men of holy report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually a prayer into the ministry of the word, and saying, and the saying, please the whole multitude, they chose Stephen. A man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. That's what it takes, doesn't it? Now look, look with me to the next chapter. In fact, we know that Stephen is to be martyred very quickly. In fact, Romans chap- I'm sorry, Acts chapter 7 tells us of that. Turn all the way to verse 55 of Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 and verse 55. We'll start in verse 54. Now, he had given a sermon, uh, very extensive, and tying it all together, how the Israelites were led along the journey by God. And he brings them to a point, literally, verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. You you see, Stephen was a man that made it his made it his mission to be filled with the Spirit. Every time you see him, he's full of the Holy Ghost. One of the words that's actually used in our our Ephesians text in the sense of being filled, it's the same word that is like... uh, How many of you uh, have been in a a ship or a sailboat? Not very many. Okay, very... Oh, now more... You're you're reluctant because you think I'm going to trap you somewhere, okay? (laughs) I'm not. This is totally uh, totally benign. There's nothing going to happen here. 
One of the things that's interesting, though, is, I, and I'm, I, by the way, I haven't, so you'll have to help me through this in case I, I fail, but in, in the sense that you have no motor, now, again, that would be in the days in which we find ourselves in Acts, chapter, in chapter Acts. The book of Acts, as you see Paul and this different missionary journeys, as they would have been in a ship, there wasn't a motor that you just brought to life to move you. How, how, how were ships moved? How, how did it move? The wind, the sail, and, and oars in the sense of, that, of, of not having any. But literally, it's, it's interesting, when you had wind that filled the sail, effortlessly, quietly, the ship went places, didn't it? Just like a sailboat. I, I don't know anything about a sail. To me, it's just, just too dependent on things, isn't it? That's exactly the picture that we're talking about right here. To be dependent upon the Spirit. To depend, that's a word I want you to... When you see to be filled with the Spirit, just put depend on the Spirit. Every single moment of every single day, when you are dependent upon the Holy Spirit, is exactly what it means to be filled. To be dependent on the Spirit. As that sail is full of wind that moves it, we should be the same. Um, I brought a... What did I do with that? Can anyone identify this? All right, everybody got it, right? Somebody tried to go left or right and all that stuff. It's actually for your left hand as well, okay? Now, it seems to fit even. That's pretty good. But now if I told this glove, I'm going to just set it there for a while. And let's say that's Gary the glove. Gary, why don't you play the piano while we're talking here? Are you not listening, Gary? Gary, play the piano. What's wrong with him? He's not filled. <laughs> He's not filled. Now, again, not, I've got to be too careful with this analogy. Just because somebody else puts their hand in this glove and goes over to the piano, which I'm not going to attempt. <laughs> but it's the energy within the glove that gives the energy to perform exactly what God wants you to do. No Holy Spirit. Nothing is accomplished. Your life accomplishes nothing without the Holy Spirit. Now, he lives within you, but he wants all of you. <coughs> How do we do that? Another word that we would use is yield. How do we yield to the Spirit? Surrender. Surrender. That's exactly. Self-denial. Yeah, and, and self-emptying. That's one of the things that we need to do. If you, want, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, there's another thing we could take. Let's say that I have a glass. Yeah, it's going to take me too long to develop. But just you work with me. If I have a glass, then it's empty. See, it's empty. See it? It's empty. Well, you guys aren't working with me here. Glass is empty, right? I'm saying it. Okay. Now, my question is, how do we get the air out of the cup or the glass? If I fill it with water... Now, don't take it too far. Yes, H2O, there's oxygen with it, but work with me here, right? It's the same thing. If we want to be filled with the Spirit, we need to make sure that we are emptying of ourselves. All of those things of self-interests. It's my will. I want to do it this way. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Or anyone else. You must empty yourself and yield yourself to the Lord. That's what being filled with the Spirit. And it's a continual thing because you know what? When you're walking in the Spirit, that's another one we'll find in Galatians. I'm going there a little bit prematurely. 
Yeah, it's a little bit premature. Let's not do that right just yet. But it's along the same line. Being filled with the Spirit. Yieldedness, if you will. Yieldedness. I want us to go to uh, Acts chapter 11. We'll stay on this, this uh, line. Uh, Acts chapter 11 and verse 22. Oh, let's see. That's not right. Got that wrong. How about that? Um, let me try. Just a second. Yeah, there it is. It's okay. It's okay. Acts chapter 11. And let's start in verse 21. 1121. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Now, what do you know about Barnabas? Don't go any further. Stop. What, what do you know about Barnabas in, in your studies from previously? What, what, what about Barnabas? What do you know about him? He was, an, he was Mr. Encouragement. That guy was so awesome. And if, remember Paul when he came on the scene? What do we know about Paul before? He, what was his name previously? Saul, right? What was Saul? What was, what was Saul known for in that? Ooh. He was a killer, wasn't he? He was a persecutor of the church. He was a persecutor. I mean, he went out of his way to make my miserable and beyond on steroids. He was awful. And then he says he saw Jesus on the way to Damascus. And you, being a careful, cautious Christian, would have said, oh, yeah, right. Just kind of buddy up a little bit and then take us down and route with him, right? That's what it would have said. You know, who was the one that stepped up and put his arm around Paul and he said, this guy is changed. He is brand new. I'm here to say that he's one of us. And he encouraged Paul. That was Barnabas, Mr. Encouragement. That's who we, let's keep going. I want to see how important this goes. Where did I leave you? Verse 22. Let's go to verse 23. Who, speaking of Barnabas, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted or encouraged them all that with the purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord for he, this is speaking of Barnabas, for he was a good man and get it. Did you see it? Full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added on the Lord. You see, when you have people that are filled with the spirit, awesome things happen. Turn with me to chapter 13, same book, Acts chapter 13, look at verse 9. This is Saul. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Verse 52, turn down to verse 52. Oh, I want you to see something else. We've talked about being filled. Um, this is part of the same thing. I've got to start in verse 43. Same chapter, Acts 13, 40. Watch this develop. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. You see it? They were controlled. That's the idea behind Phil. Who are you controlled by? They were controlled by envy, spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it under you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. 
The word of the Lord was published throughout all of the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them as they came on the Iconium. Watch verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> now that verse I want you to keep in the back of your mind for a moment because it's something as we develop in how do we know that we're filled with the Holy Ghost? You just write that, jot that, that, that verse down. Acts chapter 13, verse 52. We'll use it later. We'll use it later. How do we get it? How do we get the Spirit? What did you say? Prayer. Prayer. What do we pray? What do we pray? Absolutely. What were you going to say, Lynn? Uh, to, to ask for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because there needs to be a desire. You see, it's like anything. It's like as someone would say at a, at a football game. Let's say, it's, let's say it's for a national college championship game and at halftime. And your team is down 14 to 0. Okay, 14 to 0. You were outplayed. You were outmanned. You just you, you looked horrible, right? And you're now in my, in my locker room. I'm your coach. Oof, that's scary, isn't it? But and you guys are, you've played hard. You're tired. You're already tired. You've got a half to go. And you're like, I wish this thing could be over, right? What is that telling us? I wish it was over. What is it telling us? You don't want this game. You've given up. Now, I would, my job as a coach is to say this. You guys got to want this game. You have got to go out and play as if you wanted it. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Right. It's the same thing with the Spirit. Oh, uh, you know, I'll get by whether I have them or not. You know, just blah, 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 go through life, and it's all good. It does all work, Doc, so I'm just going to heaven. It's all good, right? right? I will tell you how much of the Spirit you'll be filled with. Zero. And you, know what? You, want, you want a productive, you want an awesome, you want a dynamite kind of a life? That's the only way you can get it. It's the climax of Christian living, to be filled with the Spirit. And you've got to want it. Now, Ernie also brought us to think in the sense of we must denounce sin. In fact, that's one we'll look at next week in the letter of what is God's will. And uh, this would, in case I don't get to it, before we leave here today, I want us to go to, don't look at it now, but write down for me so you can remind me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. Because there's also another level of God's will for us. We'll be looking at that next week in a fuller context. But the point of the matter, if, if you don't get this one, if you don't get this one, the rest of Christian living is very, very difficult and very dry and very unproductive, being filled with the Spirit. We need to deny ourselves as well, to empty ourselves, if you will, to surrender our will, our intellect, our body, our time, our treasure, all of those things that we want to cling to. Those things need to be hurled away. Why? Because we need to make room for the Spirit. You know, there's a, it, it, in the sense of a house, it's sometimes the Holy Spirit, well, he can live in this, there's a little attic, and there's a place there, and it's just for him. There's no key to the living room. You say, who would keep their living room locked? You'd be surprised with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of rooms locked. As long as we just have him in the house, we're good. He'll kind of bless us. You want to you be without any energy, without any draw, without any given? Just go ahead and play the Holy Spirit that way. Yeah, we'll just, oh, no, 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 no. That's off limits for you. Do you see what I'm saying? You'll never be filled with the Spirit. You'll never be controlled. You'll never literally have Him fully running your life. 
if we're filled with the Spirit, well, let's, let's, let's keep going here, though. I tell you what, this may be as helpful as anything. Let's go back to our text in Ephesians. Now, this is, we did not read all of this, but if you were to follow through, and Ephesians is a magnificent book. It's, it's just so filled with richness. And basically, starting in chapter 4, uh, Paul goes on to say, now, I've talked about doctrine. I've talked about the importance of being in Christ and being in Him. And for the first three chapters, first half of the book, he's all about right teaching. Let's get the right thinking. Let's get the right belief system. And then after that, he says, now, here's what it looks like when you enact the right stuff in your mind, in your heart, in your believing and, and seeing the right things, then your life will look like this. And he unfolds this. It's where the rubber meets the road. And he talks about all of this in chapters 4, 5, and 6. Now let's look. Let's just go through it quickly. But verse 18, till to me, is the capstone of everything being in the right position. That Be not drunk or controlled with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled or controlled by the Spirit. Now when you're doing that, he starts to list things that actually happen. We'll take a moment here now. So in other words, now we're going to look at, here's a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And if we came into this place, let's just say we stepped in here. Now, this is not incrimination in any means, but I'm here to probably say that not everyone in the room is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've trusted, if you haven't trusted Christ, you don't even have him. So again, number one, get saved. Trust Jesus Christ. You must repent of your sins. There's no way you can handle death. That's the one thing I say to anyone is, if you can whip death, you're in good shape. You can't. It's impossible. Because the wages of sin is death. You can't whip sin. So that's where you have to start. But if you do have Jesus Christ, you've trusted him, you have the Holy Spirit, but you may not be filled with the Spirit. Now these are the things we're going to talk about in the next few moments is how we can tell if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we've used some examples in the scripture, but let's go to what he literally defines and lays out for us in Ephesians chapter 5. And he starts right here. If you notice, verse 18, we'll read it one more time. Watch the uh, punctuation. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Semicolon. He's continuing. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. One of the things you'll see with someone that is filled with the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit, dependent upon the Spirit, is they are full of joy. Let me show an example. I'm going to show you a a non-joyous circumstance of which is responded to with a great deal of joy. Let's go back to, I think it's about, let's try Acts chapter 16. And let's look at two guys that find themselves in a very undesirable situation. And yet, it's apparent they were filled with joy. Let's see if we can find this. Um, let us about let's let's start at verse sixteen. Acts chapter sixteen, sixteen. Verse chapter Acts sixteen, sixteen. Are you all there? Here we go. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. When her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates took off, rent off their clothes, and commanded to beat them. 
When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. In other words, that's not, not for their safety. Just you make sure they stay right there. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. They didn't just have an outer cell. They went all the way to the innermost part, so they had a lot more doors to get out of. And it went further. It said, and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, stop. Don't read anymore. Just slip into Paul or Silas's sandals for a moment now. What would your attitude be typically? Woe is me. Woe is me. What is going on? I just, I, I just basically, through the power of Jesus Christ, cast a demon out of a young girl that now she's free. I've done, not, I've done nothing wrong. I'm here to just proclaim the word of God. Remember, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. And I got cast into prison. Oh, by the way, I got a whooping besides. But I'm here to say how they responded tells me. They were filled with the Spirit. Let's read the next verse. And at midnight, (laughs) verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. (laughs) That is unbelievable. And that is the power of the Spirit. There's no other way they could do that. You know what they're saying? I'm, I'm going I'm to absolutely, when they got thrown in the innermost part of the jail, when they were in stocks, I know them well enough to know from their testimony and how they lived that they said, Lord God, what do you want us to do next? What's the next thing? What do you want me to do next? That is such a perfect place for you to be. When you're asking that question in the middle of the night, something wakes you up and it's just like, oh, I can't. When you ask yourself, Lord God, what do you want me to do next? I don't need to know the future. I just need it. What do you want me to do right now? That is the perfect place to be filled with the Spirit. Now, it won't absolutely happen this way for everyone. Just think of this, though. Look at the next verse. At midnight, they're, they're praying and they're singing praises. They're joyful. I mean, have, you, have you sung praises to God when you're miserable? It kind of comes out miserable, though, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But the point of the matter is, is when you're really focused on doing that, he will change you. He will turn you. In fact, we don't know what really happened from the time they hit prison. Maybe there was that little bit of a, Silas, what is going on here? Paul, I don't know. But they chose to follow God. Look at this now. Suddenly, I like the suddenlies in the scripture. Suddenly, verse 26, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Why would he do that? Because, because they're going to do it for him in the morning, right? Because when these prisoners are gone, that's it. It's the end of the road for him. And would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. And put, but Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God can do miraculous works. Guaranteed. 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 That's the first thing that you will find is its production in being filled with the Holy Spirit is you'll be full of worship and joy. Let's go back to Ephesians. We find another one, Ephesians chapter 5, and let's look at the next one. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 20. Not only are we filled with joy, 
regardless of circumstance, by the way. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. An attitude of gratitude. When we're not thankful, we're not filled with the Spirit. I know that personally. When I'm, when I'm thankless, not so much being filled with the Spirit. Giving thanks. Verse 21 gives us another one. Do you see the continuation at verse of, end, end of verse 19? It's a semicolon. Verse 20, a semicolon. The thought continues until it concludes in verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You will find someone that is full of the Holy Spirit. They will be submitting to each other. You'll find in verse uh, 22 that wives will submit, su- submit to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands will love their wives. In verse, chapter 6, verse 1, says children will obey their parents. Verse 4 of chapter 6, fathers will not provoke their children. Verse 5 of chapter 6, servants will be obedient to their masters. And guess what? Verse 9, masters will treat their servants with respect. Relationally, when you have people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, the whole relationship concept is taken care of completely. Isn't that great? So what I'm going to say is there's not enough being filled with the Spirit in the United States of America. If every single Christian that possessed the Holy Spirit, and by the way, that's every single one that's trusted Christ, if every one of those was filled with the Spirit, our country, I'm convinced, would be in a very different light. Very different light. And there's so much stuff around us, isn't it? Society is throwing stuff at us. I'd like to go to Galatians chapter 5 now. It says, oh, before we do that, uh, turn with me to Colossians. This, look at this. It's a parallel passage that tells us something very, very good. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 16. No, no, I'm sorry. We're going to hold verse 16 for last. Start in verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Are you all there? Let's start reading. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, provoke. Do you see this? It's line for line following exactly what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Ooh, now I just lost my place. Stay right with I'll be back in just a second. Now I want you to turn. I'll try to get there before you do. Uh, Colossians chapter, go back to verse 16. Because this is the key. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. Did you see that? It's a complete lock in what he's asked us to do when we're being filled with the Spirit. The same deal is, is let the word of Christ, the word of God, dwell in you. There's the key. There's the secret. When the word of God is dwelling in you, you are literally perfectly set up to be filled with the Spirit. Same results. Same results. Isn't that awesome? There's a couple of you. Okay, we'll, we'll work on the rest of you. Work on the rest of you. Let's go to Galatians now. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. And as I've said, we, he was... Paul was writing to, the, to the, or the, the Galatians because they were mixing faith... I'm sorry, mixing grace and law. Verse 16, he's coming to the end of this this whole letter, and he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 
Once again, you see almost a, a contrast as Paul would have given us in Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirits. Be controlled by the spirit. Now, to walk. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say stumble in the spirit, fall in the spirit, trip in the spirit, run in the spirit. Do you see what I'm, see what I'm going? It's, very, it's interesting. He uses the word walk. What, is, what does that mean? What does walk mean? How do you walk? How does one walk? How do you teach someone to walk? One step at a time. It's really key to that, isn't it? When you, start to take th- if you try to do three steps at a time, you're going to fall down. Mm-hmm. And for a, just think of a little toddler now that's just learning to walk. They do fall down, don't they? They get back up. Are you help them up? And when they, they take a little step, right? Let's think about this just in your own mind. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to illustrate it, and you can't really, unless you're thinking with me. So to walk, I'm putting one step, one foot in front of the other. But do you know that every step I take is a full committed dependence or trust on the next step? Because if I've got this foot out and I do not trust to put the weight on that, I'm going to fall down. Do you see that's exactly the idea that Paul is trying to give us? As you walk or depend on the spirit, it's the same concept. When we're doing that, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, there's this war that's going on in a Christian. There's the spiritual and there's the flesh. Today, we, or this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. It's a time for us to commemorate, to celebrate, really the freedom that we have at the expense and loss of life of those that have been our brothers and sisters. It's an amazingly sobering time of reflection. There is, it's ama- we, I was watching something. It's, it's kind of off subject, but it's really not. It's amazing to me just watching our populace becoming less and less in tune with what's happened historically in this nation. I watched a program just briefly last night where he went, this, this particular gentleman went out on a beach setting and asked questions of just random people. Who did we fight in the Revolutionary War? They didn't have a clue. They, one, out of, one out of ten got it right. The Revolutionary War. Many of them said, I think it was when the North fought the South. It's mind-blowing to me, and that's how we lose freedoms, is we don't know what it costs to obtain them. It's all because of God, at the expense of lives given to preserve freedom. There was a, there was a battle that was taking place in June 6th of 1944 in World War II. What was it? Does anyone know that particular battle? D-Day. D-Day. Let's, let's, let's un- unpack that for just a moment. We won't be here long because it's exactly, it fits in perfectly how we think about the war we have between the spiritual, that is what, being filled with the spirit, and the flesh, the lust of the flesh. D-Day, where did it take place? And what, what was the setting, if you will? Just what was the setting? From the sea, Right. And what did they do? They were trying to take a, keep going, beachhead. They literally knew that the only way that they could take this was to take a beachhead, to take a position of which they could be situated. That's what the flesh is for Satan. Satan will launch temptations to take the flesh as a beachhead for him to literally tear you down. It's the same concept. Now, you know, the problem, you're, you're, you're having trouble with this because 
the forces that were being were taking the beachhead are the good guys, right? And so I'm using it, but you under, what I want is the concept, the principle. Satan, the bad guy, the evil one, is trying to do the same thing with you, trying to take advantage of you through your flesh. That's where temptation has a place. He knows not to knock on the spirit's door. No, no, no. He's very prepared. He's going to take the flesh, which is still part of your system. It's still part of your body. Even though positionally you've been redeemed, you've been purchased. You are not your own. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Let's go there for a moment. I want you to... Paul was very concerned with the Corinthians. Describe the Corinthian church for me. Just describe them for me just quickly. Maybe one or two words. What would you say? The Corinthians were... Excuse me? Immoral? Okay. There's a word that I'm looking for because it fits perfect. It's another word for flesh. If you were carnal, in fact, I was, if, you, if you speak Spanish and, and, uh, and you ask what's for supper and they say carne, that's meat. That's exactly the picture. The flesh, the carnal, they were fleshly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't, don't move. It's 1 Corinthians 6. There we go. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and let's look at something that's described because they were very, I'm gonna, and I'm going to go with what Alice said, they were immoral. They didn't really recognize the significance of what Christ had saved them from. In verse 18, we're going to be tying into this actually next week as we, as we, we look at the next function of what God's will is for. Says, verse 18, flee fornication. Flee sexual sin. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Look at verse 9. What? Paul, what? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. See, isn't that exactly right? And that's why when Satan throws these temptations to get a beachhead on your flesh, it's important to be filled with the spirit and thrust them off. Wipe them off. He does the same thing with anger. If you, go, if you would go to the latter part of, don't go there, but Ephesians chapter, I think it's like chapter 5 toward the end of the chapter, it says, be, not, be, be angry and sin not. Get over it quickly because it's just like being a beachhead for Satan. Exactly what Paul wants us to know. Oops. Too many things going on here. When you're filled with the Spirit, we've looked at a few examples. I'd like to look at some more. Let's look at some individuals that are described as being full of the Spirit that literally God used mightily. Let's go to uh, uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 15 Luke chapter 1 verse 15 we'll start we better do it a little differently um, verse 13 there we go that'll work bring us right in con. Luke chapter 1 verse 13 the angel said unto him fear not Zacharias for thy prayer is heard thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Isn't that amazing? Now that's getting an early start. That's beautiful. Beautiful. 
Back to Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Acts chapter 4 brings us another scenario with Peter. Look at this. This is Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. Now, just, just well, let's see, where should we go here? Let's, let's start back a couple of verses. Um, let's start in verse 1. That's a great place, huh? Acts chapter 4, verse 1. As they spake unto the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came unto them, being grieved that they taught the people, speaking of the disciples, taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them, not in a good way, put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and the elders and the scribes and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together to Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Verse 8. Then Peter, did you see it? Filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of people and elders of, of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to impotent man by that means which he's made whole... I mean, it's amazing what he's unfolded, full of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 12. I love this. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. That was all because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 6. Turn with you to Acts chapter 6 and verse 3. Oh, we've already done this. I'm sorry, we've already been there. They were looking for seven men and full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. Now, the, when you're literally, when you're being filled with your, when you're being filled with the Spirit, it's the perfect atmosphere to you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what Jesus Christ saved you for—to be more Christ-like. Wouldn't that be great if every Christian in the United States, in the world, let's just say the world, if every Christian, everyone that is accepted Christ, would be Christ-like? Oh my word! Wouldn't that be awesome? And whose fault is that? It's ours. Because everything you need to be filled, aside from yourself, you must yield yourself. You must depend upon him moment by moment by moment by moment. And in my own life, the last year has probably been the most succinct in having to depend moment by moment by moment. And those times when you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't know what to do or where to go. God, what do you want me to do next? That's all we need to know. And give me the strength to do it. That's the position that we must be in to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. When you think, when I say Jesus Christ, let's talk about him for a moment. Tell me what, and I'm talking about Jesus Christ walking the earth. Let's describe him. Go ahead. It's not, it means no tricks, just what do you think? How would you describe Jesus Christ walking on earth? And we're in, we're, in a, we're in a unique position because we know who he was. We know what he accomplished. For them living in that day and age contemporarily, a lot of them didn't get it. They didn't know what. Isn't he just a carpenter? What's he saying? He's God, right? That would kind of, even his family. None of his family believed in him. They thought he's a quack. What happened to him? Mom, you should have disciplined Jesus more. You all saw him as a perfect little angel, right? They, they couldn't stand him in one way until afterwards. Let's talk about Jesus, though. Tell me, what do you, what do you think? He was, humble. he was humble. Servant. Servant. That's a good start. He was there to love 
Excuse me? He was there to love the sinner. Isn't that absolutely true? Some of the people that he spent time with were absolutely the, the Jewish leaders would have nothing to do with. And yet Jesus felt comfortable in their presence. They felt comfortable in his presence. Isn't that cool? He spoke the truth in love. Ephesians chapter, what is that one? That's our, that should be our model verse for this church. Speaking the truth in love. It's in Ephesians <laughs> chapter, somebody can help me out. Let's keep going. What else? What else do we say about Jesus? He did what the Father wanted him to do. He was always interested in the Father's will. Think of that, knowing what's coming, knowing that he's going to be crucified in literally hours, and he's now praying before him in such intensity that he's literally perspiring blood droplets. Have any of you prayed that hard? Probably not. He was a healer. He was a healer. What else? Yeah, he didn't have a home. In fact, they said he didn't have a home. He didn't have any crawling. Just a fox even has a place to, to crawl into, and he didn't have nothing. Yes, there was. The one, the one time when we see that he was very angry is he actually made a whip and he went in and flogged. I, that, wouldn't that, man, everybody, anybody says Jesus is a wimp? Uh-uh. You didn't read the whole Bible. He drove the money changers out of the temple. Why? Because literally they were making money on those people that were coming for a, for a feast, for a Passover, probably in this situation, where they would bring their own lamb. What's the Passover about? The Passover is about literally taking an unblemished lamb. It started way back when Israel was in Egypt. And the, the last plague to get Egyptians' attention, shall we say, was the death of the firstborn. But God made a way. He said, if you take this unblemished, perfect lamb, perfect in the only way that a lamb could be, right, Lois? There, there's not many perfect lambs, um, hardly any. But anyway, we'll keep moving. But there was, they were to kill that lamb and take the blood and put it over the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass by. That lamb paid for that house. That lamb paid for that firstborn's life. In fact, in the New Testament, we're told one place that Jesus is our Passover. My goodness, what a statement. And here they come to celebrate that year after year after year after year. And here come these. And you know what? A family would bring this little lamb with them. The one that they had raised at home. The one that was selected as being the most perfect. Yeah. Right, Lois? The most perfect lamb for this situation. And they would bring him in. And, of course, the priests would stop them and say, oh, no, 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 no. We, we must inspect. We must see this lamb. That you, oh, I'm sorry. He's not good enough. But it's your lucky day. We've got one over here that is just perfect for you and your family. And he's only going to cost whatever it was. But we'll trade your lamb in. Oh, he's not worth very much. But they put him back in the in the back pen. And then when the next family comes in, guess what? Little Barney the lamb is good enough for the next family. And this was literally making commerce, making wealth for mankind in God's name. And Jesus said, that is enough. The house, my, the temple is the house of God. And he lost it in a good way. What else could we say? I got to make sure I keep my track of where we're going. This is so good. What else would you say about Jesus? Love children. Love children. Love children. children. Why? Because he liked to take the gospel and keep it on the very simplest terms. Innocence. He loved that. Excuse me? Fresh minds, right? Fresh minds, exactly. He was sinless. He was sinless. What? Now, I want to, I want, that's, I think we're going to, anybody else got something? I want to come right back to that one. Anything else? And there's lots of things we could say about it. I didn't want to shut you off. Anything else? 
Obedient. Obedient, even to the point of death. He endured the cross for the joy of being gained what was lost. I'm going to play off of Ernie's words. Sinless. You see, we're not sinless, right? We're not even close. Even when you have the Holy Spirit living within you, you're not sinless. Boy, would I love to get rid of this flesh nature. But every time that it, it, it rears its head as such, you know what? We can be thankful again that Jesus Christ saved us from what we couldn't save ourselves from. But do you know even Jesus, being sinless, needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost? His, I think his, the, the climax in the sense of his, what do I want to say, his ministry or the beginning of it is so profoundly important because he's tempted by Satan. Let's go to Luke. I think you're already in Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. We'll start to wind down here. Luke chapter 4. And I want us to just dive into verse 1. It goes right there. Luke chapter 4. Verse 1. Jesus... Oh, it doesn't take long, does it? Being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Did you see that? Have you had a trial and a temptation that you said, what's the reason for that? Right here, you're going to find in the next 12 verses that literally Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan, not a demon, not anyone other than the grand poopah of evilness. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to uh, the last temptation, and Jesus responds in verse 10. Oh, by the way, how did he handle it? He was full of the Holy Spirit. One of the things you'll find, and I'm going to say this again, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just keep feeding, just keep eating the Word of God. Just keep immersing, keep taking in the Word of God, because that's the same concept. Remember Colossians chapter 3? The Word of Christ. May it richly envelop you. May it be part of you. How did Jesus respond to each one of, Je- of Satan's three temptations? Every single time was a, a common theme. It is, it is written. The Bible says. Now, Satan even tried, well, the, the Bible also says, but he taken it out of context. Do you know someone that's taking the Bible out of context? Oh, you can make it say anything you want it to say. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. Let's look at the last time he said it is written. Verse 10, for it is written, he shall give... Oh, this is Satan. Satan using the word. Look at this. Watch this. Let's go to verse 9. Let's set it up. He brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 13, when the devil had ended all of the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Do you see it? Every place Jesus went, he was in the power of the Spirit. How are we going to go out tomorrow, rest of today? I'm hoping in the power of the Spirit. Let the Spirit work in you. Here I am. You take me. You control me. I will do whatever you say. I will, need, I, will, I will heed your word at all times. I will pray. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 1. And verse 21. We'll start in verse 20. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20. Knowing this first... 
that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That should be exactly where we need to be. And I'd like to remember how we closed. Those of you who weren't here last week, not important. For those of you who were here, do you remember how we ended last week? What verse we used? Because I think this is, this is really when you're filled with the Spirit and you're asking these, these questions of where should I be next? What should I do next? It's interesting. Remember that? Who is that guy? Abram's chief servant. What was his name? Let's turn our Bibles to... What was that? Yeah, let's turn to Galatians, uh, Genesis. Don't go to Galatians. Let's go to Genesis all the way back. Because you know what? The will of God has been something that has been with every man and woman. Let's go to Genesis chapter 24. And let's look at this. Now, he has been given a mission. Abraham was old, it says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. He was old, well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham. And he wanted to make sure that his son Isaac was to get a wife from his kin back home. And as such, his servant, Eleazar, was, took that task amongst himself, took it onto himself, and he went back. And I want you to see how it was said this way. Oh, I'm wrong. No, no, there, there it is. Verse 26. Very good. Verse 26. This is after the fact that uh, Rebekah had, uh, had been found, and he says this. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, Watch, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. That is exactly what our, our desire should be. We want to be in the way of God's will. You want to be in the way of God's will. Just as the Holy Spirit led those men to, to inspire the scriptures, he is just as powerful today, just as on fire, just as alive to take you and take you where he wants you. Just like this glove. If you notice, it hasn't done a blasted thing, has it? Just lays here. Just lays there. And without the Spirit of God in your life, that's about as effective as you'll be. Because that's the key to finding the will of God is to be filled with the Spirit. Now, I did say we were going to look at a verse that you'd find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Let's go there to set ourselves up for next week. Because we'll find also the will of God being stated here. This will be our, our text for next week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. <clears throat> in fact, we'll start in verse 1 and pick it up. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Watch, for this is the will of God. Take note, for this is the will of God, comma. Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And he'll go on from there. His will is for us to live righteously, to be sanctified, to take each day and commit it to him. We have not got very far, have we? We took another week and I tell, this, this to me is still... Absolutely a key component. If you're not filled with the Spirit, the will of God will be, it will be just something you'll never know. You must be on the right plane. Any questions or comments? Oh, left out one really important thing. 
Do you remember when we were in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16? We're going to have to open our Bibles one more time. Sorry. You can do it. You can do it. It's not closed for good. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, and let's look at another way that we can tell that we are walking in the Spirit or being led, being dependent upon the Spirit. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. In other words, but let's, let's, let's read it all because we talked about this being a verse about Satan trying to get a beachhead. And he can only do it through your flesh, the lust of the flesh. He's trying to get that beachhead, the D-Day for you. Look at verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. There's a war. The spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you want. But if you be led of the spirit, did you see it? Being led of the spirit, being filled with the spirit, being controlled, you are not under the law. Now the works... The manifestation of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder. It goes on and on and on. And it's all because of the flesh of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If those are things that are habits for one, if that's something that is common, if you're known for those things, then more than likely, you do not know Jesus personally. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God in that, in that frame of mind. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. You show me someone that has those fruits in their life, and I'll show you someone that's filled with the Spirit. So are you ready to go to war? In fact, that'll be my closing. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 is a passage. You start in verse 10 and goes through verse 18, talking about the warfare, putting on the whole armor of God. Do you know the only way that you can literally put on the whole armor of God? Be filled with the Spirit, being controlled by Him. And then it's all sufficient for you to be able to handle the warfare of which Satan is dishing out. Those beachfront attempts... The flaming, how is that, fiery darts of, let's go there. Let's finish. Ephesians chapter 6. We talked about this one. We talked about being full of faith. Here we go. This, I promise, this will be the last one. I see. Yeah, 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 right. No, I'm, I'm not kidding this time. It's, it's good. Let's read. We'll start in, six, in chapter, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally. Yeah, and you're saying, well, finally. Good. We're finally there. Here we go. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'll tell you, that's the other thing you'll recognize. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll know it's not your might. It's not your power because you would have emptied yourself of that position. It's literally his might, his power. Put on, verse 11, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking, watch now, the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now that's the fiery darts of doubt, right? That's, that's his inroads. That's when he can throw something at you and it's, oh, I doubt if God can handle that. You should be worrying about that. You should have anxiety over that. No, it's the shield of faith that will 
quench those. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The power of the Spirit is yours. The power of the Spirit is mine. When we yield to Him and allow Him the circumstances and situations to fully allow Him to be our Lord and Master and Controller, therein lies the secret. So will you be filled this week with the Holy Spirit? And it's to be continued. What's that word? To be being kept filled by the Holy Spirit. It's just, it's, it's, not, it's just a continuum. Don't ever let up being filled. Right? Okay, wore you guys out. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love and care. Thank you for the scripture. Thank you for you sharing with us that your will. It's not secretive. It's something you desire for us. You've clearly stated us. You want us to be wise. First thing that's very important to use is to be saved, to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Father, there's no way that we can escape the penalty of sin. We're all sinners. For sin came upon all when Adam sinned. We're lost in that condition. We're dead in trespasses and sins. But Jesus Christ paid for all of that. He came, ministered, and hung on a cross. Died the death of a cruel cross as a criminal. All of the weight of sin, as John the Baptist even said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. All of that sin just was heavy on him for three hours. In fact, the day was darkened from noon till three o'clock as God turned his back on his very son. No less God. I can't imagine. That was a price that was paid. Unbelievable. Un... There's not words for it. But yet, Father, you saw fit. To decide, even as Ephesians says, before the foundation of the world, that was your way to save mankind, which hadn't even been created yet. What a God. What a powerful, powerful God. Thank you for the sacrifice that was good enough, and you proved it by raising him from the dead, as he sits at the right hand of yourself today. Father, it's for that reason that we can come with a great deal of confidence and joy, knowing that we are yours. And in the meantime, Father, as we await the day when we will be fully glorified to be with you for eternity in your presence, to be in the presence of the holy, righteous, awesome God. May you give us the strength. May you give us the yieldedness of ourselves to fully be filled all of the time with the Spirit as we depend on him moment by moment. It's an opportunity for us to be more like Jesus, to be more Christ-like, which is literally your goal, to be conformed to the image of your Son. Father, I would say this week, would you go with us? Would you give us what we need to be exactly the servants we need to be? Just as Jesus was humble and meek and loving and kind and sinless, even though we can never appropriate that on earth, Father, in your sight, positionally, when we've accepted Christ, as hard as it is for us to believe, you see us as being sinless, not guilty because of what Jesus did. 
What a thought. What a magnificent evidence of proof that Jesus paid for it. Thank you, Father, for the rest of this day and for the week to come. And may we touch other people's lives. And the way to do that is when we're full of the Spirit. May we be like Eleazar. I, being in the way, was led by the Lord. That's our goal. That's our purpose, Father. And as we continue to take a step-by-step unfolding and deciphering the will of God, Father, when we're found in being filled with the Spirit, great and mighty things will be accomplished because of what you have done in our lives. Now take us and use us in the manner that is pleasing to you. May we give you glory and honor, for you alone are worthy of our praise. These things we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.